Well, good evening, everybody. Just jumping on the live here. I'll try to get you guys caught up on a few things. I'm Sean Hardham, hosting these things all the time. Um, and just a good wrap up, we find, uh, especially after the event. Last week, we did our judges panel and sort of just chatted with everybody about that. And it was really good, really good to hear some feedback and answer some questions that people posted. Again, if you got a few more of those, you're more than welcome to post those up also. Uh, tonight, we got on Matt Ruzecki, we have on uh, Chris Pollard, and also Tristan McLennan are jumping on. So we'll wait for Matt to sort of jump in there and chat with him. But coming up to the finals, we have um, August 12th out of Rad Torque Raceway. We made a great course. It's probably one of the fastest tracks that we run in the series. And really pushes the drivers to a, to a different level. And, and I don't know, one of the favorites. It's been a long time since we held a competition back at Red Torque, actually sort of pre-COVID. So we're looking back to 2019 and it's good, great to be back out there. Um, we have a great relationship with the tracks and that's always really, really fun and interesting to, to develop that and kind of see where their mindset has changed towards drifting and, and, and all of it. So I'm just gonna check up a few things here. We have uh, a little bit I wanted to talk about, sort of go through a few of the the points and stuff like that that we have coming into it. So I'll pull that up here on my laptop while everyone's sort of jumping in. And we're waiting for Matt to kind of jump on here and chat with him, haven't had Matt on before. So it'll be a good time to to talk to him and sort of understand a little bit more about his program, his build and stuff like that. Um, basically, yeah, like when we look at the, the standings coming into round three, um, you know, we will go through it here. We got Tristan McLennan out in front with 164 points. I know that he's looking to also repeat his uh, number one qualifying. He wants to sort of go perfect for the season, being number one qualifier at all, all three rounds. But you know, just, um, what are we at? 13 points behind that, we got Jesse Foote. So it's really jumping in to be anybody's game. Um, top five people can sort of sort of take it all, you know, and we're gonna get on Matt here and he's eighth just after one round. So, I mean, it was really good to see him and. For the internet to catch up probably. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Matt, thanks for coming on. Um, since we do record this for, you know, uh, podcast as well, why don't you introduce yourself and we'll kind of start it there. Uh, I'm Matt Rusetsky uh, from Mission, BC. And, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Seems to be the tried and true recipe. There's lots of those. Uh, the VAs really were a huge amount out at our round two admission. Uh, seemed to be, you know, all the top guys were in, you know, minus Tristan, obviously, with his with his RV. But some of the real standouts were, were big VA powered cars. Um, I also saw you had some good success last weekend. Why don't you can sort of talk a little bit about that? where you've been competing the last uh, few years. And then this is the first 
year that we've had you up and competing with us and sort of just go through, you know, maybe the reason why you wanted to come out to the Spec B Series. Yeah. Um, so as for driving, I haven't really competed since 2019. I've been kind of out of the game. That was my last Pro-Am season. Um, I drove a little bit of grassroots in 2020, and then obviously COVID hit us. So it's just been sim driving and hanging out at events grabbing friends' cars when I can to grab a few laps. But, yeah, this was my first year coming back. Um, yeah, I built a new, new chassis, and so far, super happy with it. I saw how Spec D ran last year, and it was phenomenal. So that was definitely a goal event for me to hit this year. I'm super happy I got a chance to. Awesome. Um, so what were you driving previously? You said you built a new chassis. So what was the car that you were in previous to this one? I was in a LS1 powered S13. Okay. So then you decided to go sort of completely different. I mean, there's quite a bit of difference between the, you know, like the Nissan Z chassis as comp as opposed to like, you know, the cookie cutter LS with an S13 seems to be the thing that can take you all the way. Yeah. Why did you make the switch to sort of a completely different uh, chassis on that? So. I wrote my S13 off in 2019 at a grassroots event. Um, I know I dove up on a buddy's car and let my car rotate because I was going to hit him. The guy behind me didn't know what to do, and he pretty much totaled the front end of my car, bent the okay. frame rails. Uh, so I parted the car out. Uh, I was going to pretty much just give up on drifting for a little bit and take some time. The 350Z kind of fell in my lap, started driving it. Did a few grassroots events in it, uh, bone stock, and uh, had really good success with it. And I pretty much refer to the Z as like a spicy S chassis. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I fell in love with it. So my theory was you take a good seat time car, throw some power at it, something that I'm comfortable in, and it kind of, it's the perfect combo. Um, but yeah, like BMW was another one that I was looking at. I was looking at, I, I like the trailing arm cars, like E36s and E46s. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, this Z kind of just fell in my lap. I actually pulled it out of Edmonton from a, from a friend who's thinking about selling it, humming and hawing, and then he offered it to me, and I just jumped on it. It was a street car with a, a six-liter in it. And I'm like, yeah, I have to have it. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be, you know, better. Like, actually, like, the Zs just in their stock form seem to do really well. Uh, you know, very similar, like, to the G35 and stuff like that. A lot of Infinities sort of like dominate our grassroots series here in Edmonton. They seem to be indestructible if guys don't do too much to them, and they just yeah. get lap after lap after lap. So maybe go through a little bit about the engine setup that you have now, because it's not obviously just the stock uh, six liter in there, I wouldn't think, anyway. So when I picked it up, it had a refresh 6.0 in it, um, slight overbore, but just pretty much new, new bearings, fully gone through. It's got a stage three BTR cam in it, uh, BTR valve train, so dual valve springs, tire retainers, uh, trining upgrade. Uh, it's got a, a, one of the Mopac like fast intakes, um, fuel rails, LS2 injectors, uh, it's on HP tuners, makes about 370 wheel. And we put a bottle on it, but the bottle I'd guesstimate like 480 probably. Okay, so you're doing a fairly aggressive shock on there. That's all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we started small, and then uh, 
funny enough, on Friday, we started in practice with 40 pounds in the rear tires and no nitrous. And we were getting gaps, so we're like, okay, well, time to uh, time to spruce it up. And by the end of the weekend, we were down to 20 pounds and 100 shot in the car. So, okay, um, well, okay, nitrous seems to be a thing. It seems to be, I don't know, the go-to easy system. We see Cole O'Connell jumped on it. Uh, Jace, he's on the on the nitrous. Um, maybe we talk a little bit about it because you know most people are familiar with it and it's just like you know when you hit full throttle or 90 percent and it just gives you all the power maybe talk a little bit about what you have tuned for your nitrous and maybe the nitrous setup a lot of people have been asking about that yeah so we kind of slapped it together obviously the week before we came back from penticton and we're like yeah we're gonna get the car ready for nitrous just in case we need it and uh, pretty much, yeah, it's it's a trigger switch on the throttle blade, about 80% on the TPS. The, it'll activate the, the switch. And then my friend Mark from NMS Tech, um, he actually used one of his power steering modules and converted the CAN bus to read the signal off the tack. So it's, mm-hmm. it needs to see 3,500 RPM and at least 80% throttle for it to engage, and then it gives me the 100 shot. Okay, so you are just going full, like you yeah. just, it just hits and then you just get an extra 100 wheel horsepower. Yeah, yeah, we were, okay. we were kind of using it, like, for the most part, the track, we'd start in second, I'd upshift two to three from touch and go one to touch and go two, and then we would only really use the nitrous as soon as I dip tire into touch and go three, we would just tip the nitrous just to get the wheel speed up, just to get us to that last outer. So that's, yeah, that's decent. But I mean, a lot of people say it's it's nicer to have the progressive one where it sort of just feeds in the power. But I guess yeah. you just on an off switch, just keep it pinned over over eighty percent and uh, over thirty five hundred, and they just got that hundred shot all the way. So I guess. yeah, yeah, I think any more than a hundred shot, you'd want to make it progressive. But yeah, hundred is okay. okay. Yeah, we noticed that there's um, you know, let's talk a little, just a little bit about recap on the event. I mean, last week we tried to. Uh, to stir it up and guys were really pretty tame on on criticizing the judges and then what we found after they did the fd round in st louis and people sort of just get the hate on for some of the judges and thinks drifting sucks and judges suck and then they start throwing a little bit more comments at uh, some of our calls and stuff like that which i like i like the conversation that's definitely one of the favorite parts about uh Hosting the series and also judging it is, is talking to everybody and sort of getting their feedback immediately yeah. after. Um, what we really found uh, watching watching drivers uh, from the judges' perspective, um, and I'll pull out another another driver, Pat Lee, very similar chassis to yours, and there was a few cars that could really throw it in for the outer zone with a lot of speed, and they were able to dig themselves out. And I think Pat maybe just didn't have enough grip in the back of the car because he'd be following people in and you'd see him, he'd, he'd kind of wash out into that gravel if he was going a little bit too fast and kind of overshoot outer zone, like just a big outer zone. What did you do different on that? Because you were carrying a ton of speed going in, um, you know, like in your spotters were having like notes upon notes of everybody and sort of the speeds that you needed to be hitting, but you were, you know, you're, throwing it in backwards into that outer zone and kind of using the grip out of the car to dig yourself through the entire zone up against the wall. Maybe what's some of the different setups in that, that, you know, that maybe we don't see 
because you look at two similar cars and you go, well, one is able to hold the grip and dig out. And the BMWs actually really had a big advantage in that from what I saw because they throw it in and the cars would hook up and dig themselves out of that, out of, you know, the gravel or anything like that. What do you, what's some of the tricks maybe, or what's the difference in setup that you would have found that made that be able to carry the speed through that other zone? I think the biggest thing was, was just entering the zone kind of near the beginning of the barriers. If you set yourself up really shallow through touch and go three and obviously carry too much speed and transitioned almost late, you'd yeah. push wide you know, like that was. Whereas if you dip touch and go three, kind of like high angle and start shallowing up through the zone, um, as you get to the wall, you transition on the wall, hard flick, clutch in, obviously big e-brake drag, and then add angle to kill any more speed you can. Yeah, it was pretty much, you'd have to roll on throttle at the right time to get the side bite to actually bite into the corner. Uh, one of the drivers that I actually looked up to last year was Tristan, and I think yeah. he had the most, like the sickest entry on that outer zone. So I was like, as long as I can do similar lines to him, I'm happy for the weekend. Yeah, no, it was really, it was good to see, you know, and, and, and don't, Please, nobody listening or watching. We're not throwing shade at Pat. I mean, I just, I find it interesting to see, and I want to get him on and sort of chat with him about his setup and stuff like that. But just interesting to see similar chassis and different grip levels in it. You know, and everyone's basically on the on the same tires. So a lot of it, it just goes down to car setup. And maybe, like you say, picking up the throttle of the right area, where we don't necessarily see it. We just see, like, a consistent line through it from you know, four or five guys, and, like, I just found, you know, Pat was struggling probably a little bit with setup, but, I mean, this is probably his, his first event with us as well, and I know yeah. that he just kind of finished the car and did a test session in the in the back alley, so, I mean, props to him for getting out there and driving it. Um, as for track, the track layout, what, what was your thought on, like, your feedback on when we sort of announced it, and then how did you think it flowed with um, – you know, the new addition of the asphalt at Mission? Uh, I was iffy on it at first, honestly, when I saw the layout. I was like, holy, that's uh, that's quite the layout, especially, like, any corrections, any baubles, anything weird, you're going to screw your lineup, and that's pretty much the run wash. Um, after a couple runs, I, I really, really liked it. Um, I found if you set the entry up just right, it kind of let the rest of the course flow. Um, touch and go one was really easy to kind of just float the car and it would kind of set you up and as long as you got into touch and go one good then the rest of the track flowed and then yeah touch and go three extending that over the rumble strip again doing the track walk in the morning we were looking at the rumble strip we're like great our tie rods and like toe arms are all going to be wrecked by the end of the weekend but uh no it's complete opposite it, it flowed super super well and i had a ton of fun on that layout yeah, we, we're, we're really happy to see the drivers really pick it up. Um, and let's just go through this sort of section by section. Uh, I'll give you some of the feedback that I had from driving the track, and maybe you can kind of, you know, give your input on it as well, because we're always looking to, you know, improve the driver experience. Number one, if you guys have a fun time out there, it makes the competition better, because at the end of the day, we're all doing this crazy sport because we love driving. So, like, the layouts, for my mind, have to be, like, long, uh, as long as we can make them challenging with more than, like, one or two turns. You know, multiple transitions. You feel like you're just, you get in your zone and you're really enjoying the drive, especially, like, going into that zone, 
you know, the big outer zone in front of the stands. If you've got the rest of the course down right, it really seemed to be like, you know, the highlight of the day. You're just in the car, like, pitching it exactly where you want to be. Um, what I found going into it, though, like, was that the initiation was good up against the wall, but then getting over to touch and go one, I found the track fairly choppy and really tough to kind of get the car locked into grip so that you could start digging out until you actually got the touch and go one. Did you kind of find the same thing or how did you find that, that first big sweeper into touch and go one? I did find the difference in traction. Um, on entry, obviously, yeah, it felt super gripped up on the wall and then kind of it felt washy along the line, pushing out towards touch and go one. Except it kind of felt floaty. It float the car into touch and go one and then it feels like a serious deep grab, touch and go one, it would hook right up into touch and go two. And then again, kind of floaty, getting the inner clip, and then it was gripped up the rest of the way. Yeah. Did you find like grip levels change quite a bit um, like as the weekend went on? Because you did your practice all day Friday or like half the day Friday into qualifying and open practice on Saturday. What was sort of your strategy going from qualifying on, on Friday into Saturday? And how did you find the difference in the track from like having all the rubber laid down? Um, honestly, grip level wise, I didn't notice a big difference throughout the weekend. Um, Saturday night going into like the evening, I was definitely expecting the track to grip up. And I don't think we got late enough for it to do it yet. But yeah, no, the consistency of the track for the most part felt the same to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, from Friday to Saturday, the only thing we really changed was um, our entry. Just I know on qualifying, I was kind of just doing a drag entry for qualifying, and yeah. it looked super sick. It's what I heard, so we just yeah. changed it to a flick on Saturday, and that's about it. Yeah, no, like the, the entries are nice to to see, especially like when you get the car at huge angle going through that that first one. I think probably the the biggest thing that I noticed was like you know they painted that where they had added the new additions to the track and and touch and go three. You know, they had painted that nice, you know, blue and white rumble strip. And once that got rubbered in, I think it didn't really upset the cars too much. Um, yeah. The first part of the day, it seemed to be like you'd hit those rumble strips in the fresh paint and it would just sort of like be like hitting grass or, you know, a wet portion of the track. So, yeah. but, you know, I was really happy with the way that they, you know, added the asphalt to where we needed it. And then, you know, um, going into the wall section, I think that actually helped the drivers a lot. Um, what was your sort of uh, input on the wall? I mean, it sort of was mixed reviews when we said, oh, there's a wall here now. And yeah. I don't think many people had too much trouble with it. I personally like walls. It kind of, that funny mix of keeps you committed, but at the same time kind of keeps you tame. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if there was a wall on touch and go of three, I'd still be super happy about it pushing to a wall. Yeah. Um, I find walls are just a good target. Like, it's one thing to see a line, but a wall kind of just keeps you smart. I mean, when you just tap it on a good run, it, it feels it's like one of the best feelings. Right. Yeah, and actually, I think that was probably one of the biggest things that changed was the driving um, from last year to this year was a lot, was the wall uh, made people just drive that line properly. And we actually didn't have a ton of issues where guys were straightening it out on that straight from touch and go three into the outer zone. Um, yeah. I mean, you were probably following a ton of people and you could see that there wasn't 
like a lot of straightens in there. Not as many as actually I anticipated. You know, some slow transitions and stuff like that, but not really a ton of like, you know, counters here or people being timid of the wall because of your, you know, entry in the wall and your angle, the wall is nothing to worry about. It's when you're like, you know, wash the front out and then you're aiming towards the wall. It's a little more terrifying, but um, I agree. The wall, the wall looked good. And I think, uh, you know, it improved the driving a lot in my opinion. I'm not sure whether it's, you know, the addition of the wall as, as a visual cue or it's just the driving level has gone up that much over the year. Um, we'll back it up a little bit. You said that you've been doing a lot of sim racing. Um, so you're on a set give a little bit on the feedback. I mean, sim seems to be huge and it's like most of us have invested into a, a decent sim setup. And now like all the tracks that we run in the series have really good, you know, uh, tracks on a set And like, I know that uh, Joseph released his. Um, yeah. And it looks great. I mean, he's got, you know, all the lines we painted, all the boxes are right in the right spot. Start line's correct, and it's absolutely a blast to drive. Uh, go through a little bit, maybe what you have for your sim setup and um, how that helps you in your driving. Okay, yeah, so my sim setup is pretty much uh, G27 pedals, G27 shifter. Um, I upgraded to an Alpha Mini direct drive um, wheel unit. And then I just use my Nardi that's out of my car just so it feels the same. And I got an Amazon e-brake and uh, a MetaQuest 2 for VR, which VR for me was the game changer for uh, sim driving. Okay. So before that, you are just using like a flat screen or you had multiple yeah. screens? I just had just one panel in front of me. I was going to do the triple monitor, but VR was actually cheaper than going three screens. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try VR. Other than like the bit of motion sickness at first um once you get through that it's i mean it's really similar to us being out there like the only thing i can compare to assetto is the grip levels aren't quite like our cars when we're driving in real life it kind of feels like a damp day really in assetto right right um so car of your choice what do, what do you normally run you're on are you on like the uh electric media server or what server are you part of um, I kind of just jump around random servers. Okay. I like the VDC cars. Um, they're twitchy and really hard to drive. So I always tell people if you can drift and master a sim, then drifting in real life becomes very simple. Okay. Uh, what, so what's your favorite car that you you run on there? Give a give a shout out to one of the uh, one of the cars and maybe some of the setups that you try to do on it. Or Good, um, a good out-of-the-box car that you don't have to change a bunch of custom setups stuff in a set of out-of-the-box car uh the dc gt cars out of the box if you're not looking for something that's like wild hooked up and really twitchy and hard to drive the dc gp cars i find you can kind of just jump in them and drive them okay not too bad yeah see and i drive like the uh i drive the gravy garage beater jzx 90 and i found yeah. little things doesn't have a ton of power and it actually no. is really similar to like a, a turbo car that I drive and yeah. you can just clutch kick the crap out of it. You got to use a e-brake a ton and it actually, I enjoy that one the best. It's the ugliest car in the game, but it seems to be the one that I can actually drive the best in it. So yeah. always interesting. So you think VR is the way to go if you're getting into the sim? I personally think so. Um, it just kind of, 
I don't think sim driving so much as like you're driving sim to learn how to drift, but you're uh, you're driving sim essentially for muscle memory, like what your hands do, what your feet do, and then like head motion, right? Yeah, yeah, I I, I would agree with that too. Um, you didn't drift already. It's it's maybe I don't know. I didn't pick it up that easy. I'm not. I wasn't into video games a ton before, so I actually had a hard time sort of developing, you know, how to yeah. do it. And then I found like as driving it kind of like uh, you know Xbox and how you do like Formula One and you're just using the Logitech wheel. And my thought was like actually if you drive it hard as hard as you do when you're drifting your car, it's actually really really realistic. And you actually get like you're tired from it because you're working the wheel a ton, lots of clutch kicks, lots of throttle input, yeah. and it makes it the most enjoyable. But it's not like something you can sit down to do for a couple hours a day anyway. Not for me. But interesting. I, I I just see like you know the story that sort of came out of out of um, round two was definitely Joseph, right? So much time in the sim, eight months drifting, and then sort of just jumps in and is driving really well. And he sort of just accredited a ton of that to his sim racing. Um, Chase was very similar to that, doing a ton on the uh, on the sim and sort of just let that translate. Um, I see I got uh, Chris Polar going to be jumping in here in a minute. So I just want to wrap up with you a little bit. Um, Evergreen, you had a good, successful weekend. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that competition and maybe your plans for the rest of the season? Sure. Um, so, yeah, we kind of last minute decided to go down there. Um, had a good weekend at SPEC-V, obviously. So we're like, let's carry the momentum and see what we can do. Um, prepped the car this week, refilled the nitrous bottles, used my last bit as a Steno tires, which is why I need to order more now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a fun tournament. It was, uh, we called it, like, gamble drifting because it was a rebuy tournament. So, essentially, the way it worked is it's top 32. Um, you draw your qualifying score out of a hat, so you could have a final battle in your top 32 pretty much. Right. And uh, same thing, judges, you do your chase and lead, you come up to the line, they say who wins, and then depending on well, yeah, whoever wins, then obviously sits there, and then the loser can pay, I think top 32 was like 50 bucks, and you get a chance to rerun again. You force an OMT. So then if the winner wins again, then he moves on to the next round, but if he loses... He's got to pay the driver that 50 bucks back and you go for the third time. Okay. So we had a lot of battles. Um, the top 16 was, it was fun. I think the highlight of my weekend is driving with Tyler Mayer, which I'm really sad that he didn't get a chance to drive at Spec D because he is an absolute animal and okay. I can trust him 100%. And yeah, we went into those battles pretty much just sim drove with each other and I think it's the best laps I've gotten in all my years with them. So, no, I I do. I was watching him practice. Really looking forward to seeing him. Had a good time chatting with him and the spotter. And uh, it's just a freak, you know. Something breaks like that. How do you even predict it? And we were just we were actually very thankful that it it broke there because if it didn't break on the line, it would have been, you know, in competition and it could yeah. have been really bad for him. Instead of you know a broken arm, and you know sitting out the competition could have been a written off chassis or something. I never want to see that, but definitely got to get him on. I really want to talk to him and sort of see his thing came up with a great clean build. And I don't know, we really enjoy seeing 
and the new drivers out. So, you know, I'm not sure you're not planning on coming to our round three. I, I understand unless you change. Your uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just money. Like it's yeah. getting the time off work. It's, I think it's like an 11 hour or 12 hour drive up there. Yeah. Evergreens. I mean, it's an hour and a half from my house. It's, it's very convenient next year. I mean, I want to try to license this year still in the shootout. I'm going to do that in October at Evergreen. That was my goal for Spec D, but yeah. I mean, best man won. Tristan killed it. So yeah. um, I'm not in the points running with Spec D. So as much as I want to drive it, I need to focus on the on the yeah, track okay. and time for the for the license. But if I don't license this year, then next year, come for that championship. Well, I'm planning on coming down on the 30th and driving at Evergreen. Uh, going to drive with uh, Carlton and uh, Jace in some sort of team tandem yeah. thing that we've never tandem together. So I must be a great choice to pick for that. Not really, <laughs> but I'm just going to go down and have some giggles and uh, enjoy the time. I mean, I miss driving definitely in competition. So this will give me a bit of a chance to do that. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I may well, yeah. if you're going down to that, I'll definitely be down there and yeah. uh, hopefully get some laps in with you boys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's get some laps. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming. I know it's a little short, um, but I just wanted to sort of touch in. We got uh, Chris Puller coming on. He had a lot of controversy at our one, so we're going to try to like dig in that and see if we can yeah. uh, stir up the internet a little bit. Any battles that you want to to talk about, or we sort of covered it last week? You're all good. Oh no, no. The, every battle was good. Every battle was hard fought. I mean, we did protest Pollard after um, our battle for third, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, we fought it out, and I kind of just drove mad and happy I got the win. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, uh, we just love the passion of everybody, and, and driving was great. So it was really good seeing you drive, and thanks for coming out. And, and yeah, I just want to add, add um, I didn't drive for four years, but I did judge uh, yeah. lots of grassroots events, lots of pro-am events. Your guys' job isn't easy, so I completely understand, like, your guys' calls and everything so there's no hard feelings you guys kill it i look forward to more hey you bet hey appreciate that and uh definitely hey thanks and we'll we'll see you down on the track at evergreen if i don't catch you i want to buy it all right thanks sounds good go. yeah right, thanks all right hey we got another one lined up here we got chris puller gonna jump in let's see if we can't uh get him in here there we go hello well, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. How about yourself? Excellent. You must still be on, are you on the extended holiday or we're at work with the cool tree background? Or no, no, actually I'm on vacation here. It's, it's a little smoky. We're in Kimberly right now. But uh, yeah, yeah. So you, you took the BC break and you decided, hey, we'll drive down. We'll do a spec B round two and then just take a few weeks off and recharge and actually came, yeah came back to edmonton for i don't know three days of work and then four days of work and then came down here for a week so that was yeah. terrible planning on your part we'll give you that yeah uh, but hey whatever happens happens it's good to see a different vacation <laughs> a different vacation not the drift vacation yeah. all yeah. right hey so everybody um you're you're back yeah, i think i can't get, get <laughs> have they we'll, we'll get into to it because you know you want to get right into it okay well no like let's um i, I don't know 
in some ways there there's a lot of um, there's a lot of passion in this sport, right? And everyone, you know, it was hot there. Everybody was working hard and, and doing things. And I think maybe some of the misconception is, and we, I want to clear it up first, that, you know, in no way did anybody think, like, you know, uh, you doing a protest was, like, uh, back, back it up. I got some comments, like, oh, there's so many protests and the event ran too long. And then I was looking back and I go, there was actually only two people that came up and, uh, even discussed the like calls. One was you, and then obviously Matt was in yeah. on another one. And those are the only two that we had. And then when we looked at the schedule, we actually finished on time. And it's sort of like some, some people's perception just gets mixed. And I would definitely want to just sort of clear that up that, you know, we build in time for, you know, mishaps, build in time for breakdowns, track cleanup. And we also got to give to the drivers if there's a question that they have you definitely have to it's their right to come up and ask a question and um you know that's that's what the, that's what's in the rule book if we yeah. weren't allowing it we yeah. wouldn't put it in the rule book and wouldn't make it possible and and another thing too which i i have to appreciate is that when drivers came up to ask things um basically what they did was show us our own video which is a hundred percent exactly what we want so i'll give it out to your team you know to maddie coming up showing us a you know screen grabs and clips from our live stream to say this is what was on the live stream this is the run it's not like from a different camera angle it's from the same yeah. uh views that we had and by all means that's the fairest thing we can do and you know everyone who was involved in it like even when you talk to jesse uh he was a high Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It should have been. We you didn't catch it the first time, mm -hmm. so it definitely should have been a one more time anyway. You know, and so I will start with that. That you know, a hundred percent. It was it was in your right to do it, and there's never any any problem with guys wanting to come up and ask for clarification. Uh, somebody popped in there that uh, Miller's team tried to protest, but they didn't actually come and protest. They were just asking for clarification. A little bit oh, different. Okay. Um, yeah. Sometimes when we uh, when we run it, we really, really want to make sure that we're giving the drivers the best chance, and we always want to make sure the right guy wins or moves on. Yeah, for sure. If it's something that we see that we we don't uh, like, then we have to, you know, explain that better. Um, even this week, we've been talking a lot about you know our drivers' meetings and going, you know, um, if it's something that that multiple drivers said that they didn't really understand then we did a bad job explaining it so you know just moving on to that i mean we're trying to get better as a series to give a better chance to the drivers to have all the tools they need to be successful in it um right what, what's been your feedback what have you heard on the other side i only hear on my side maybe what you've heard on the other side and and how you felt the event went i i mean i think it went really well for me i drove like crazy i you know put everything on the track every lap i went out um did everything i could and you know the calls are kind of what they are sometimes um i think yeah it was it was a little unfortunate we had to protest the jesse one i just when i was in the car chasing it was really clear to me that that was an uh, like pretty much an unchaseable run if not unchaseable right. you're 20 foot plus off the inner clip it makes it really difficult to do the rest of that track chasing, right? 
sure, especially sure. like I don't I don't have the most power either. Like my car only has 400 wheel, so it I kind I need a good lead run to chase in order yeah. to get up catch up to it and keep up with it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the uh, turbo cars give that bit of, bit of advantage. Yeah. You know, and when we actually when we actually approach Jesse's team, like his spotter Ryan, uh, like the funnest guy that you can have around. He is. Yeah. Like, yeah, great 100% guys. down to party. And we go, well, yeah, you guys were off the cliff by this much. He goes, yeah, I know, but you guys said you couldn't really see that. So we were playing our game. Like, we're playing a game to win here. And I was like, so, yeah, you guys admit, yeah. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, we, I don't know. That's we that's know. fine. I'll call it out then. I mean, you saw you saw what happened a lot after that. So. <laughs> well, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. So we always look at yeah. that, right? So we heard a lot about the past, right? And I think the past is absolutely, like, stellar. I love I love the aggression and I love that you took the chance to do it. You know, did you miss the zone to get it and drive over the cliff? Yeah, but you still did the pass. Like I mean, when you when you look at the drivers and the uh, like the calculation that like I'm just thinking watching you do that pass and I thought for sure you said if you drive wide you're just gonna drop a gear and just blast past him and I thought oh, it was absolutely awesome. a gear and drop the clutch okay. yeah so we're, yeah we're just all like we're just having the greatest time watching that like oh, what's going on and that's what makes drifting exciting that's what makes it um I don't know like fans love that I mean it's the greatest thing ever did it work out not really but it's still no. awesome yeah. so yeah. I mean I, was it was, was sort of your, your mind mindset from it like when you went for the past what was sort of your mindset going into it? um so on that one, I, at least my take in the driver's meeting was that that was not a slowdown zone. That's a touch and go, right? So touch and go, not ride the wall down the track a ways. And yeah, as soon as I saw handbrake come on again, um, I knew he was going to go deep and I just kind of let it eat. That was good. Yeah. I like it. I mean. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Like... I like it. Jesse's a great driver and all. I just, uh, yeah, no, just. Jesse's an awesome driver. I love driving with him too. He was in the third battle. That was crazy. I got lucky that he uh, kind of overcooked it in the last corner. I would have lost that one for sure. Otherwise, yeah, was, but yeah, but I mean, driving angry at that point, both of us a little bit, but uh, yeah, no, it was oh, good. I know, I know. Um, it was a little yeah, bit of chirping on our, on our driver's chat afterwards, but I mean, Sunday, everyone's all hugs and uh, Oh yeah, that was funny. I, I didn't open the chat until like midnight or one in the morning that night. Again, I, I mean, after driving four one more times and oh, that man. much driving and packing and all that kind of stuff, I was wiped. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I've, I've driven and in competition as well. And, like, for my mindset, always, like, if it got called one more time, for the most time, like, unless I really knew that I won, I was just stoked to drive again. Because, like, when you're driving in competition tandem battles, I find it's the best driving that you get to do against like somebody who's like if it's a one more time somebody who's really close to your skill level anyway so i always actually really enjoy if like if they call it one more time i was actually really down for that because it seemed like it's just another set of tandem battles that you get to do and we all do this because we love driving um you definitely got the most driving i mean i i rewatched the live stream and it seemed like every third battle was uh, chris polar yeah and his bmw against you know every yeah i legitimately did more laps and burned more tires in the competition only i guess including qualifying than i did in practice 
Yeah. Yeah. So when you left the weekend, you were like, by the time you were done Saturday, you probably got your driving fill in and you were, you were stoked on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was Sunday. I did a few laps. The car actually had an issue and then I was like, okay, that's good enough for me. I'm going to call it and <laughs> put it on the trailer, pack up and uh, go to Vancouver. Well, there you go. Oh yeah. You guys went out for sushi or something fun. I think, yeah. It? yeah. 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 We went out all with right, all the guys. Right. This was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about the car setup. I mean, we're hearing low numbers from horsepower from guys. Uh, you know, you're you're saying like you're four. What did you say you're? At? It's four hundred on the dot. Like literally, it made four hundred point zero one after we uh, like iced the intake on a hot day on so the on the dot. What is it that makes that car absolutely hooked up? Um, probably you and Joseph were the two drivers that stand out in my mind for the way that you entered into the outer zone. Uh, backing it in, probably with the most speed out of anybody and the cars would always dig themselves riding the, uh, the, the track edge all the way you know, to finish off the run. What is it that you have sort of set up in there? What's the secret sauce? Because like when I tell people, I go, like, this car's making 400, they all tell me I'm lying. And I say, I'm serious. So that's all it makes is 400 and he just like he's hanging with you know like there's big numbers up there there's most people you know in the tops or into the high sixes yeah sure if not into the seven yeah there's a lot, a lot of 550 plus nowadays like i know i don't know geez four years ago now when i had the 5.3 it was around three i don't know 320 330 maybe right. just a mild cam thing and it was kind of where i'm feeling i'm at now where i got to drive the absolute i don't know That's just drive it like fair. crazy keep the pedal down the entire lap as much as you can pretty much okay. um and i i don't know the, go. is this a quick change that's been like a like a game changer for you because the car seems to be hooked up dialed and as fast as anybody in the field i don't think we see you get gapped by anybody going into it in the cars no not really great, i mean great at angle yeah great fast yeah. Um, yeah, I know my, I think my angle kind of lacks a little bit in places, but it's literally, I think it's more or less limitations of the car. Um, but um, some laps, you kind of get it more right than others. And I think that is kind of the case. Even if you have more power, you might just be able to bail yourself out a little bit more. Um, uh, yeah, Dylan there, I think he's, uh, he's hit the nail on the head. E46 magic, 100%, the, the E chassis advantage, I think. It really, um, it really seems to be something. I mean, we we were kind of an a analyzing it afterwards and watching run after run, and the cars that really, you know, that were hooked up at that angle seemed to be, you know, the BMW chassis. You know, you and Joseph just carrying the most speed into that zone, and I was like, these guys are going in the gravel. But every time the cars would dig themselves out and just sort of hook up and go. Um, so we haven't really caught up with you since even last year. So we you had sort of the start of the season. We were trying to hoping to get you on and it just didn't work out for timing. But you mm -hmm. had some engine trouble. So let's let's take a step back and sort of how you actually even made it to round one was was pretty last minute and a lot of more drama behind the scenes. Maybe a little bit. I, it wasn't too bad to be honest. Um we so we built a 6.2 that didn't work out um was trying to do it on the cheap kind of like my other motors uh stock rod piston deal 
cam, all the, all the normal kind of goodies. And the one uh, piston number eight just exploded on the engine dyno, totally let go, nothing left, no real indicator of what happened. I mean, it totally destroyed the block. Um, but most of the parts inside were still good. So we used like the, I still got a cam from that. And I put the shaft mount rockers into the six liter because I still had the six liter from last year. So it was just okay. kind of freshen that up, check the bearings um, with, with Joel Canadian performance injection. He helps me with all my motor stuff. Um, yeah, we just kind of checked over the six liter, put a new oil pump in it because it was even running a stock LS pump before. Now it's got a nice melling one and uh, shaft mount rockers from BTR. It's, it's, it's just a big cam six liter rectangle port head. I think it's a LY6 motor, like the okay. actual code. But yeah, um, just kind of put that together over half a weekend, put it in the car, and then went out for Grassroots 1, I think was my first driving day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I just remember seeing the pictures, you know, holding the side of the block. Yeah. And you're diving out. That was spectacular carnage. I'm still finding pieces of piston and block in my garage from cleaning that oh. thing up. Yeah. They're everywhere, but so the six liter, the so, sometimes it's just, it's just luck of the draw. Sometimes when you're using those stock components, it, it happens, right? We're spinning them pretty fast. You never know. It looked like it was going to be a good motor and then it wasn't. So I think I made that one made 540 at the crank. If I remember right, but we, we had it on an engine dyno, but it was, a, it was that 540 was a great pull for the one. Pull. Yeah. So yeah. Pull, not so much. So at least you yeah. had a 540 V8 in there at some point. Like yeah, I didn't, built. didn't even make it in the car, which honestly was for the best because then I didn't have to like pull it out and swap again. But yeah. Okay. So you've had you've had some challenges with the motors in the past. Like we can, it's safe to say when you make a switch, it seems to be like when you switch from your 5.3, you had a few heating issues getting your six liter going, if I remember correct last year. Yeah, well, I had a I had a stroker motor that didn't really work out. Um and then just went to a really quick and dirty six liter build, uh, which is the one still in the car three years in. So it's so, been great. I don't know. Some some uh the motors just kinda have the magic in them and some don't, I think. Um you, you've had two because the five three that you had is now Cole's car. Yeah. And you're just throwing nitrous at it and just yeah, so uh, that sure one's a really good motor. Make sure that when you go to sell your six liter, that Cole can upgrade to a six liter for that that motor. And <laughs> find your next one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this one is going to be kept forever and put in a museum when it's done or something. It's hilarious <laughs> the the amount well, you, that it's gone through. You can get the five three back. It's sort of the same thing. It's, yeah. It is an absolute yeah. little unicorn of a motor. Um, we kind of had the similar thing. I think you and uh, you and Ryan were sort of looking to go both to six two, and both sort of had an issue with the six two. And now you're both back on the cheap and dirty yeah. six liter build. Yeah. The iron block six liters. Yeah, yeah. Is that it's it's tough sometimes. You know, every I think every motor. You know, there's potential issues you can run into. There's things you can't really account for, especially for me. I know I'm like doing it on the cheap. Um, like if I blow up a 6.2 block, it's not really the end of the world. Whereas if you go and put a ton of money into machine work and all this other stuff, you're really invested into the motor. And then if something happens, it really, really sucks. So what you need to do is just go find that quick and dirty 6.2 and just do that. Yeah, I don't know. My the six two I had looked really good, and then it wasn't. <laughs> but I don't know. I know. 
I don't. I don't think honestly. I don't think the six twos are as well built of a motor. Like they, oh, okay. they have their issues from factory. I, I think is the simplest kind of way to put it. And um, there's lots of guys that you know get good mileage out of them, and you know they can run them for a long time, but uh, not, not all of them last. I guess. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. They definitely say that the uh, well drifting is, you know, the the hardest part of it. We were listening to, uh, you know, Chris Forsberg podcast, and he goes. If something is rated for fifteen hundred horsepower drag racing, it's actually seven fifty for drifting. Yeah, it's about half. That, yeah. That's just that's just the way it goes. Um, so, what plans for the future? Six liter, you gonna throw nitrous at it? You gonna do something fun? And I mean, I don't know. You you tell me. Right does now. it need more? Does the car need more? I think it's fine. Why, why did you want the <laughs> like, six two? We all want more. That's this is the yeah. problem that we're in. I I don't think it does. I think it's uh, it's probably good, but yeah, it's tough to say. How many years do you think you're going to get out of your six liter then? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I don't know. I I check out the bearings yearly, so it it normally looks pretty good. Um, put new bearings in it a little bit here and there, and had one issue with a, a valve drop that somehow didn't really damage the rest of the motor. Just took out one piston and a head, but yeah, got so lucky really, with that one. It's really that was last year. Yeah. So maybe if you don't, don't throw the nitrous at it, that six liter will last you a long maybe. time because you're actually not pushing it too too hard. Um, have you kind of found that that's that sweet spot where you know the six liters like to make you know if it's that 400 450 horse and don't push them more than that, then they last for a long time. Is that sort of been is that your experience now? I don't really have any experience above this, so I, I'm not sure to be honest. I think that like a 75 shot of nitrous or something like that would be fine for quite a while as long as you're kind of running it correctly and not leaving out the motor and blowing it up that way um if, if you've got all the fuel system behind it and everything you should be okay for a little more yeah, I think so. like, even, yeah, like... Like, like drag racers with the six liter bottom ends will you know get up to thousand horsepower potentially but that's a bit of a different deal with you know a big turbo and stuff like that that's laggy i think probably like 600 mark is probably pretty reliable for a stock bottom end type build right right so yeah i think probably with the quick change um probably with sticking with you know you obviously got the dog box or quick change so that lets you be in the right gear for the track um and i don't think we really talked to you much after you put the quick change in like we didn't really do one of these interviews after the quick change, you've had a full season on it, and now you're sort of going into, you know, your third round of the pro competition in August. What's been your experience with the quick change and, like, advice to guys um, thinking about it? Is it worth it? Do you find that you actually change the gears in it to find your optimal gear ratio? I think you got to be the kind of guy that wants to chase the setup. If you're not going to be willing to swap gears at the track or kind of think about your ratios beforehand, have some sort of calculator, do calculation with it, you're probably not going to get the most use out of it. But if, like for me, I know going into each track roughly what kind of wheel speed I'm going to want for fourth. So I set it up that way. I've got, I don't know, maybe seven gear sets for it or something like that. So every 10 kilometers an hour or so, I can change my ratio. Okay, so you say 
get your car up so that you're running fourth gear most of the time then you're shifting fourth, fourth at the fastest part of the track yeah okay awesome so do you find that you're using all those of the seven gear sets that you have how many have you actually used in in your setups um i think almost every one of them has been used at one point in time Excellent. i think there's maybe all right maybe one or two that i haven't used yet okay so when you say like if you're not committed to chase the setup what is what does that mean like are you looking at just changing the ratio as your setup or are you or did you find when you put that um the quick change in that it actually was harder than what you thought you know lining up axles modifying subframes all that type of stuff well bmws are basically made for it so it's fine it's easy to do it in a bmw relatively speaking to like s chassis and other cars um but I, as far as chasing the setup, I just mean literally if you're driving at the track and you feel like the ratio isn't right, if you're not going to make the effort to do, do a gear change, which it really doesn't take long. You back, jack the car up really high in the back, pop the cover off. You can switch the gears in I don't know, five minutes, not even. Right, right. Um, okay, great. Because a lot of, you know, you're probably in the same boat before quick change and stuff like that. You would uh, just drive around problems if you were in the if it needed to be faster. You drive around it, maybe increase RPM or you yeah, know, drive around problems. Do you find that that was something that you actually had to like mentally tell yourself, "I'm not going to drive around that if it feels too slow or too fast to make the change early," instead of doing like multiple laps trying to figure it out? It's it's tough, and honestly, at round one, it kind of caught me out. Because I didn't change gears, and I, looking back, should have from what I was running. Um, I thought it was going to be okay just with the ratios and where I was shifting and everything. But really, if I would have gone to a bit shorter wheel speed or less wheel speed, it would have been better off overall. Right. Because I would have um, been just shifting a little differently sure. on that track. But, and having the kind of torque and everything to light off where I need to. Right. Um, another question for you, like when you're doing changes at the track like that, are you actually getting out and doing it or are you getting your crew to do it? Uh, this year I've been operating with pretty much just myself and Maddie. So yeah, it's not been Maddie, much. Right? Maddie's, Maddie's been in the tower watching and I'm just in the pits doing tires and stuff. Aside from obviously at, during competition, you know, the guys, you know, I don't know, Cole, Rick, Ryan, Scott, Zach, all the guys were absolutely needed in mission i was with all those one more times there's no way i could have done any of that on my own absolutely um i kind of just said hey guys if if i make it further or i'm good for top eight like after i had rick in top 16 change tires and i just put in our group chat like if you guys could help me (laughs) do tires now if i need them again that would be awesome (laughs) so kind of like is that that sort of the strategy because i mean you know, it's sort of unfortunate, right? Because all you guys came out together, good friends, longtime friends, right? And you come out, drive all the way to Mission to battle each other in top 16. Yeah. It's a bit of a bummer, but like, is that sort of the, everyone's down to whoever wins, whoever gets knocked out automatically is like your pit crew to help your buddies go further? Oh, 100%. For, for me too, definitely. Anytime I'm knocked out and the guys are you know, still in it, of course. Right. Yeah, we're in the pits, we're helping them out. You know, is your tire pressure good? Do you need more grip? Do you need this, that, the other? You know, here's a water kind of thing. Excellent. 
I asked the question about like whether you get out and do the do the change yourself because I find if I get out of the car and uh, and like you you make the change yourself you get out you don't really notice the difference like you know if I change uh, you know rear alignment rear camber or toe I don't necessarily find the change because I've got out of the car get back in and then you're just driving it again instead of like staying in sort of staying focused and then you can feel the difference whether you made it right or like you made it better or made it worse yeah. um, do you find that or is it like, definitely it's it's body? nicer definitely when you've got the help excuse me it's definitely nicer when you have the help um you can get by without it depending if you don't run into issues you know it, it works out okay if you start running into a bunch of bunch of problems then your day can go bad really fast in the pits between battles or whatever, right? Um, definitely nicer to have people to make the changes for you, but I don't know. I've uh, I've kind of off and on had crew out at events, so I'm fairly used to doing a lot of the stuff myself. Uh, obviously, you know, my friends and family help me out a ton too at a lot of these events, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that someone can come help. Yeah, for sure. It's not, and it, like, I'm not meaning so much like, you know, changing tires and stuff like that. But like, I find setup change is really difficult to make a change when you're, you know, when you're the driver, and then you're making the setup change. And then as a driver who built the car, it's also really hard to know that your crew knows how your quick change comes mm -hmm. apart and knows how the gear sets go in. And like, some of that is, is difficult, but it's just more you know thinking if you notice the big change like whether you're making the steps in the right direction or if you need to you know go back to because if you make the gear change to a wrong you know 10 kilometers hour faster and then if you want if you find that that's not right then you actually have to go like you reduce that by just about 20 to go backwards to where you do like a slower yeah. be a big change yeah yeah no it's just interesting because I, I know i know a ton of people that actually have you know, quick change, talk to a few of them in the States, and they never change anything. I mean... <laughs> it, it might be a bit dependent on power, too. I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I really... I think with kind of the power number I have, I need to get it pretty dead on to okay. kind of get the track dialed, right? right. Like, last year in Mission, I was running too long of a gear set, for sure. I knew, I knew that after watching all the videos. The car just did, wasn't getting up an RPM where it needed to be. So... A shorter set, shorter wheel, less wheel speed would have been a better option than what I was running. So I kind of just went down a step or two from last year, and it worked out really good. So luckily, didn't have to make any changes in practice. Um, I find for my car, alignment, I never really change it. Banked tracks, I changed it a bit, but the BMW in the rear is so easy to change. It's just two arms for camber. Right. So Yeah, so, that, so like some of the alignments and stuff, you just sort of you just have it set nice square however you want it and you leave it pretty much yeah i have it how i like it and i just leave it there most of the time i don't really make big changes in the back yeah looks like i'm at five to six 400 wheel john you just discussed that john you're late to the party he missed it i guess come on yeah yeah no it's, it's great to see though i mean um you know props to you the driving was great you know i'll give you that um you know, definitely had, had, uh, you gotta have a little bit of drama in it. So, I mean, thanks for at least like, you know,
putting the pass in. The pass is actually my favorite thing. It's my it's my absolute highlight from the event was the pass. I just uh, I wish it was really clean so I could have just me too done it. Too. I wish I wish I had, honestly I hesitated in the first round. I should have just done it. I wasn't really I wasn't ready for it. I hadn't chased foot at all during the weekend, so I didn't really know what was happening. But yeah, no, it was yeah. awesome. I, I I enjoy that type of stuff. It's uh, I don't know. It keeps it keeps it exciting. And I think that's the that's the idea behind the sport. I mean, if it was all just uh, cookie cutter runs, it's not as exciting as it is when you know somebody throws out and does a pass. And I can't remember us even having a pass in, in like ever, like in recent history. I don't even remember it happening. So I mean, good for you. And I'm gonna maybe change your <laughs> Thanks, name. Thanks, I guess. Yeah. Flat, flash to pass. I mean, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. That was funny. Cool change my name there. Yeah. Yeah. Calls the sound brutal guy i mean he throws in the throws in the bombs once in a while love him um, yeah is there anything you want to add i mean i don't want to take you too long you're on a holiday oh. sort of wrapping it up i'm easy if you want to keep talking we can um i don't know i guess for you guys what like what was the most challenging part of the event for you as being a judge oh um <laughs> i know there was a lot of challenges so no it, it's honestly it's it's a lot of um uh, making sure that you, that you're watching the right things that you need to be watching at the right time. Um, we talked a little bit about it last week. That you know, me personally, I don't necessarily like watching the drone footage because it's not guaranteed that you have it at every run. And we were kind of at, at one run where we were like, we want to watch the drone footage. We watched the replay, and the drone wasn't there. You know, you changing batteries or something like that. So in some ways, if you get to be like from my position you get to be like relying on that it's like i look at it a touch like drivers using a dirt drop it's like a little bit of a crutch to to do it but i mean you know because if it's not always there consistently it's really tough to rely on that as a judging thing like and, and i think it was actually in your run i was looking to see um maybe where joseph was in the uh, coming up along the wall, going into outer, the outer zone, and I was trying to see from the overhead how far he was off the wall because our perspective isn't very good for mm -hmm. the judges' tower. But we didn't get the run on it, and we had asked for the replay. We got your run; it was overhead, easy to see. After mm -hmm. the replay on that run, no drone, couldn't see it anyway. So it's kind of on like, on, on his lead in the first battle, right? Yeah. So you're looking to do yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's like, it came a bit later, but it was when we were doing tires or something when the call already happened. But, yeah, really yeah, and I, I get it. Like, it's tough. You you don't have all the information every time. Yeah. So I don't really know what the workaround is for that. I guess the only thing I would say is to get the best positioning possible on track, which I you did a good job with. I don't know if there was really anywhere better you could have been. Yeah, right? that's really, yeah, we moved down the track a ton. And it was nice having the spotters in a tower next to us. I mean, we're coming into round three. Um, we're using the big bank, going into the small bank, and we're actually going to be judging out um, out in the field, like when Chelsea Dinoff was there with us at our last round of competition at, at Rad Torque. Mm -hmm. We're going to be out in the field, sort of in between turns three and four, and we're moving a set of stands out there as well. So we're going to have stands out there, and oh, it's okay. going to be absolutely, you know, a better perspective from fans. They can get up close and personal if they want to, be the hardcore fans right, right out in the action. 
And I think that'll give us the best perspective of judging and also from spotting there. Um, working on having a drone at, at that round specifically to do big overheads to see, you know, the lion. But that course isn't too bad for seeing the lion, especially on the clips and the zones where we try mm -hmm. to reposition the judges. Um, but yeah, the biggest, the challenging part is, um, like guys often say, they, they go, oh, it's terrible being a judge. Everyone hates on you. But, you know, we try and be as passionate from you know, hosting the events to judging them as the drivers are in driving. We want to make sure we're doing the best we can. That's why we ask so many questions, like, afterwards. We want to do the recaps and go, what was a win and what was a fail? And we write down our list of, you know, things we need to improve. And one that came up for me was just, like, be more clear in a driver's meeting. So if we have two painted lines on on the other zone. And like, you know, I, we thought we were clear enough on that, but, you know, in talking to the drivers, we definitely weren't. So just to make sure that we're accurately explaining to it so that drivers have the best information going into it. Mm -hmm. that, that's probably the most challenging part for that. And, um, but yeah, just, yeah. Making sure the right the right person wins. You know, you want to make sure everyone has the has a fair shake at it, you know, and, and we're all friends on and off the track and uh you know sometimes that's hard but you can't let that get in the way of it either. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think uh I think the one idea you had about like a printed track map potentially with notes of what's critical would be really good. I know in the past you had done like certain sections are worth a certain amount of points kind of thing. Right. I think a breakdown of that would be pretty nice as well. Just so the drivers know that like, like a mission, it seemed like the very last corner didn't count for anything pretty much to me. Like, like in, in the judging that I saw, or at least in my runs, it seemed like that didn't really count. It was just all the rest of the track is what mattered, which I going into it thought the last corner of the whole thing was an outer zone. So I was driving it like an outer zone, you know, staying right, right. on the outside line given lots of room for Chase Guy to tuck up in and run with me, right? And, and yeah. some guys weren't doing that as much, and yeah. Yeah, and see, so we're, really, we're really looking at, like, so we'll go back on that. Like, so you have a zone. I guess it it counted for for a, for a lot in qualifying, um, like the last, last outer zone. It counted for a lot in qualifying, and actually in qualifying, most people were driving it really well. Like when we would watch drivers sort of going over it, you could see that their tires were like their the tire closest to the judges' stand was on that white line, and they were absolutely just drawing that perfect arc to finish off against the wall. And when we were judging the competition, it didn't really come into play that the other zone was a deciding factor in any of the battles. It seemed like the winner, the loss was already done you know, touch and go one and two, or maybe touch and go three. And then once we really started watching the inner clip, that became part of it. So it was like the battles were either won or lost in that section, and the others yeah. didn't really come into play. Um, but I think mo most people were driving the line well, and there wasn't big deductions. Like if you were if you were too wide on that, you most guys are dropping tire into the gravel. And... Your runs just to, like it's really tough if you're way wide 
on the outer zone, dropping tires, actually finish the run against the wall. You see them mm -hmm. straighten out. You see them just sort of like not be able to drift over the finish line. Um, but I think, I think that's probably, you know, definitely good feedback. I'll do that for this round and I'll, you know, put it out earlier so that guys can sort of see, especially where the, the qualifying criteria is and also where we're going to wait the most points yeah. on it. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, way. like, if we know that, you know, the last corner isn't really worth that much, then maybe it's worth driving a little differently there, right? To make it look exactly. better, to to be faster through there or something like that. Pick, um, pick, pick where you want to sacrifice to, you know, gain the advantage, let's say. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the biggest one that we saw in mission was the outer zone. If, if people were, you know, cutting the line, but it was like their need to be proximity in order for that to actually impact the chase driver so some drivers were but you don't i don't know about that because you don't have a chance to catch up if someone cuts the whole last corner you know what i mean if yeah, you're if you're trying to tuck in and get there and you're planning on them being in the outer zone or the outer part of the corner there's no way that you can throw it in there and tuck to the inside as they've already planned to go to the inside the whole way, right? Like, yeah, I don't know, there's there's points in time where guys are almost touching their tire on the inner part of the track, which to me is, you're not, that's not even chaseable. Right. Anymore, but in my opinion, at least. So, thing, I don't know, I think- Cutting that line seems to gain the advantage through that long straight. I know you're I disagree about, with you though, because I was right on them through that straight chasing. But it was something that, maybe you didn't see to, or couldn't see till later like again i'm not yeah. i'm not oh, upset I'm about good. it but let's not put it that way i'm just saying like from the runs and the footage i've seen there's yeah. a lot of stuff there that kind of could have gone one way or another been, i guess it, it but could have been a little bit better judged on the on the outer on the last zone and maybe put a little bit more weight on that i think that's probably a fair enough statement for sure and if like we know like let's say that we're we'll back it up a touch to qualifying so like if we had the track map and we had the points laid out for the rear zone, and let's say like the rear zone collectively was worth 30 points between the three judges, then that would be a higher weighting. Um, so then we'd have to carry that same consistency going into judging yeah. competition. Yeah, that is a fair fair point. You know, definitely, I think that's probably something that I should have done was weight the the corners. Um, better so that people would know like oh touch and go one one two past inner clip is worth like 50 points for qualifying yeah. that's pretty major i better get that right yeah because there's that's half of my point so i know and so, like in previous years um i don't know that must have been around 2019 or 2020 kind of when i was earlier on starting in right. the pro-am drifting that was very very helpful for me to know okay? like in that section i need to be on it and i need to you know do this section of the course really well because okay. it's weighted heavily right the rest of the course you should also do well but this section you really need to set up for and plan for to drive through because that's a like in my mind too you know like i i try to i try to think and calculate it out as a as a driver as well like i mean you know the joke is i just have more fun driving the track but really trying to see what you need to do to actually make the track work yeah see, like, this is really tough but if i screw up the first touch and go one two i never make it to three yeah so, then you're totally screwed i, I mm -hmm. that's that's a fair comment for sure and i think definitely you know going into this next round i'll try to even release that map earlier and we'll probably 
release it publicly too so people kind of get an idea of where the weighting goes on mm -hmm. it um you're referring to when we had it three different colors uh line angle style and each individual was it might have been like that yeah yeah that uh, is that how fd used to do it maybe i'm not sure no. yeah no, no. okay like, yeah i don't know just a thought just my two cents anyways you know do do whatever you want to do it is working as it is but uh to me, I no, think right. that's really valuable for guys, sure. but yeah. You know, driver feedback is number one. I mean, if you know that a heavier weighted portion is worth more, then it's it's easier to focus on because we, we always tell drivers, you know, we have a lot of rookies in, into the series. I mean, you're you're like a veteran now, you know? It's crazy, exactly. yeah. I know you're, you're, the, you're the veteran, but like the rookie guys, we, when we teach them this even when we're going through grassroots, don't Focus on drifting the entire course if you're really having a hard time in it. Piecemeal it out. So drift the first section or drift the last section. Whichever one you can do, make it so you're drifting a portion of it, then move on. Get that down, add the next one. Add the next one so that you're building on your success. If you're failing, you know, linking any of the track, it, like as a beginner driver, you really need to like piecemeal it out so that you can be successful through you know, maybe your initiation in the first transition and then take your initiation, first transition to the next zone and then you just build on it. Yeah. And I think maybe that that's something that we can also do to um, to help the drivers with the track map. Um, working with uh, Dustin to actually make a bigger track yeah. map because drawing it out cool. on the whiteboard is also tough. I knew we had blown it up before. Um, and I think maybe we'll go back to that and sort of get some feedback after round three. Um, and sort of see if the try to change up the drivers we need to touch and just not make track changes when we get to the track because otherwise every single driver with the 30 printed copies needs to change it if we change something yeah I, I understand that's tough too from your your perspective because we don't always get there and the track doesn't always work like if it's a new layout you know you might need oh, to yeah, do it a little differently yeah because the wall um, was a new addition when we got there on Thursday they go oh we're putting a wall up I was like that's cool i guess are you sure and they're like 100 percent. we're putting a wall up i was like all right if there's a wall i didn't tell yeah. anybody that right. mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> so, it, honestly in the end at the beginning i wasn't a fan of the wall but near the end of the event it was i liked it uh, i think some of the footage coming through there was crazy where you see like with my i know with my car i ran it a ton of times just like right. almost touching that corner of the car to the wall so it's just dark, 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 and then as soon as the car pops through, it's just a blast of light when the car moves by, which I think is kind of cool to watch. No, I, I really think the wall, it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it actually improved the driving. We didn't, years prior, we saw so much dirt drops there. Like, there was gravel from that section on the drag strip, and guys were forced yeah. to run that line. They ran it really well, and the driving improved. It made the entire track better, I think, you know? Yeah. Next year when they add it wider, it's going to be even better. Yeah, honestly, if we can get an even wider track in a few of those sections, it would be uh, really great, honestly. The, I think it just makes it a lot easier for everyone to link the course and a lot easier to chase because you've got just a lot more ground to run on, right, All before right. you hit the edge. So round three, we posted the, uh, the track map. 
what's your opinion on it? I think you ran that layout before, haven't you? Have you done I ran that one, but without the turnaround. Or I think we had the turnaround, but it, it ended halfway through the turnaround kind of thing. We didn't actually run the bottom part. Right. So I think it looks really good. The only thing I'm a little worried about, and we'll just have to drive around it and keep in mind, is the judge's perspective on the last outer zone. I don't think you're going to be able to see the distance very well to that, unless there's a camera or something like that. But I could be wrong depending on where you're planning to be and the height and everything. I'm not too sure. Yeah, but. so we, we purchased a new set of stands and we're moving that out there and we'll be on the top of the stand so that we can see okay. where the guys finish against the wall. Because in the layout, like even the fans going to be sitting in the main grandstands, will not be able to see that edge of it. It's just the, the way it is. Um, right. Not much we can do. We're working on doing like it's going to be a little bit of a stitched together live stream on it. It should be live broadcast to Facebook and YouTube. Okay. Uh, but it's just going to be like a drone overhead drone shot. But it's a start. And it's that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Any anything is uh, better than not having it. And I think yeah. It's something. Something Especially better. a drone, drone shot. Even if it's like above slow moving, just watching the cars is perfect. Because that's, yeah. I think, from a judge perspective, that's the exact thing you need. Yeah. The entire track, right? Yeah, we're lo we're looking forward to that. I think it'll be be neat to try it anyway. We'll see if they can do replay. We're yeah. not really sure. So, you know, nobody hold it up against us. We're just we're working on doing some things. It's all budget and all trying to time yeah. and getting the right people. For the sure. Know, the live stream is great. I mean, watching back on it, I mean, they got huge views on it. Like, that. I think they're almost at 3,000 views on their YouTube channel. Oh, well, like, that's great. They're not really promoted a ton. So that's pretty neat to see that uh, a lot of people watching it and, uh, you know, just good drive in there. Well, yeah. we are that's great. an hour and 20 minutes. I'm going to let you wrap it up. Anybody you want to thank? Obviously, Maddie, she's, uh, you know, in the judges' tower, keeping it. Of course. Yeah, in. Maddie. Maddie a ton all weekend, uh, giving me the right advice, you know, keeping me <laughs> hydrated and fed and all that as well. That's honestly a lot of the battle on those competition days is keeping yourself in shape for it. Um, yeah, all all the guys, uh, Rick Slinsky, Ryan Dretz, Cole O'Connell, Scott Anderson, Zach Sinclair, uh, Regan McCarter too. He was right in there. Oh, geez, I hope I'm not missing anyone there. Um, sorry if I am. But then also Matt from Devotion Tire, hero of the weekend for me, for sure. Always, like, always. literally, we did not have enough tires changed going in, well, with that many one more times at all. So <laughs> Matt was running between tra uh, pit and trailer, just slinging tires. Um, Cole lent me a bunch of tires. It was uh, it was a real team effort at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, obviously, everyone there that was helping me. Um, beyond that, uh, yeah goes beyond to sponsorship and help as well. I know uh, the Gary Thompson group helps me out a ton. Uh, the FDF race shop, Canadian performance injection all the time. Jules pretty much on my speed dial whenever I've got issues. He always picks up every time for me. He's great. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it goes on. There's, there's some more on the car. Um, but yeah. Duck Club, those fenders are actually were super wicked all weekend. I think I ran the wall. I've got to go through my GoPro footage, but I at least 10 times bumped walls. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it held up awesome. Just, you know, a little scrape from the concrete, and that's it. Okay. Hey, well, I, yeah. one more thing before yeah. we take off then. Um, spotter. What, what, 
what is the best advice? Most teams are just starting sort of getting into having a spotter. What is what is the number one essential thing that the spotter needs to do for the driver? Mm. For me, it's know the driver and understand them, honestly. It's as simple as that. They don't even need to really watch the runs as much. Just say, if you have a general idea that a section was bad, that's good enough. Um, and, and maybe just even videos. Like, take a video, send it, and say, I think this zone you were off, right? Um, but, yeah, for me, it's uh, a lot of just kind of keeping, keeping your head in the game for the competition and keeping focused, yeah. Excellent. Number one thing, I'll, I'll give the advice. Thanks, John. Water. Make sure <laughs> she's definitely in love passion. I'll give her that because she's yelling at you the same amount that she was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy for that. I mean, Absolutely, it's, it's evenly dished out. I love that. Yeah. Um, but number one thing, you know, spotters definitely throughout practice, throughout uh, you know the beginning part of the day, be there, talk to the judges. I mean, round one was spotters were in the stands and we were in the tower. Um, definitely make sure that your spotter is is coming out and talking to the judges getting us to watch runs and sort of see because if i tell you no he needs to do this this and this i guarantee that we'll be accountable to that for the rest of the event as well mm-hmm. so you know have them into the stands we're down there to give anybody uh advice or what we're looking for you know no favorites we love love everybody out there we want to see them all succeed and you know some some people succeeding is just getting into the top 16, top eight, and they are absolutely 100% exceeded their goals. And some are trying to push all the way to the end. But the same yeah. devotion needs to be where the guys are. Guys or girls are up there talking with the judges, finding out what they need, and uh, you know solidifying that into it. You know, and that's maybe something that uh, you know we'll definitely try to do better and to give that weighting going into this next round. So hey. Well, thanks for yeah. uh, jumping on. Really appreciate you taking the time from the vacation and, and sort of going on it. And uh, yeah, uh, we're going to do the same thing. Yeah, Matt, Devotion Tire. What other tire guy follows the series around? I mean, he is he is the yeah. He drove all the way from you know Edmonton to come and change tires in Mission BC. Like there isn't anybody that can do it there, but yeah, you know, he's the guy that gets it done. So absolutely. You know, well, and the hustle every time with Matt is insane. I don't know how he does it. No, I yeah. know. He's, he's, uh, he's intense from the first time he changes to the last one at the end of the night. Yeah. And absolutely on point every time. So, yeah, big shout out to him. Thanks to, thanks for him for coming out and, and keeping us all going. And mm-hmm. see him on the, on the yeah. 12th. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the last yeah. one I'd say is thanks to you and all the track staff and everyone else putting on these events. Because I know it's a ton of work and it, you can tell. <laughs> when we're there it's a ton of work you've got you know two trailers coming down whatever it is ton of stuff you're not i don't even know what 40 footer yeah yeah, trailer there yeah Yeah, 48 foot enclosed yeah we were thirty three thousand pounds coming down oh my goodness and that's a lot in in an enclosed trailer. oh yeah 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 so that's a haul yeah i mean it's definitely a good time and you know for for us as a series, when you see the first laps turned on a course and it's flowing well, it is absolutely the best thing ever. And you know, John John will call him while he's still watching. He always gives me the gears before this doesn't work, that won't work, and then he's up there giggling like a like a twelve year old just having the greatest time ever watching drifting. And, and yeah, every time he shows up there at every round, he falls back in love with drifting. And uh, 
is the biggest fanboy of everybody. So we're yeah. painful on that. Uh, awesome. Well, we'll let absolutely. you sign okay. off and I'll close this sure. up. And Sounds we'll see good. You on, see you on the practice or on the 12th. Yeah, you bet. Thank you very much. Right. See yeah. you later. Thanks. Well, we were hoping to get Tristan on there. I'm not sure if he's still listening. I put him on uh, on a schedule to sort of jump in, but I think Tristan is up at camp and says that internet is sometimes spotty. So we will definitely get our, you know, the the leader on to the chat before our next round and talk to him and sort of, you know, his feedback on it. But he's back to work and, you know, saving money to keep the drifting going. But, hey, thanks for everybody for watching appreciate it and we'll catch us on the uh, podcast uh, Tony is off doing real life stuff there John you know we miss him but uh, you know he has to make plans too summer is demanding for all of us so when we got a date night or something like that we got to definitely keep that keep that going um, hey thanks for yellow speed thanks to uh, the Stino tires we got get energy bodies oil JB's power center all these guys make uh, you know, the series happen. They make drifting affordable for everybody. We really try to keep things keep things on the uh, on the cheap so it's at least affordable. Next practice, uh, July 27th. So in one week, we are back out at Rad Torque after sort of our summer uh, break. They're wrapping up a bunch of drag racing out there. So next uh, Thursday, July 27th, we got a Rad Torque back open for open drift and uh, having a good time on. On, on the rad tour pad there. So, till next time, we'll see you guys up there.